Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's a charity stripe. It's your free throws because that free Fisher, Tosopolis, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Kreider, gentlemen, Monday, December 18th. Good to see you guys. NFL learned a lot this past Sunday. A lot of big games happened. Toss your Cowboys went to Buffalo. The weather overcame the Cowboys is what it seemed. The Bills ran the football fantastically. Josh Allen really didn't need to do much. Nonetheless, They ran it. James Cook, 170-plus yards. Their offensive line is getting better and better each game. And they're hot, man. They really made a statement. Cleveland made a statement, comeback win with Joe Flacco against the Bears. So that was pretty big. Niners obviously taking care of business. Purdy and McCaffrey, uh, maybe the most dangerous one-two punch in all of football. But here's a one I want to throw at you guys. A certain quarterback, former first overall pick, honestly, uh, ironically, of the Cleveland Browns, came into Lambeau Field and threw for a perfect passer rating, the first person to do it since Aaron Rodgers. 158.3 perfect pass rating, Baker Mayfield. So starting off with Baker Mayfield. Is Baker Mayfield the quarterback of the future for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I mean, I think you have to look at how they finished the season. And yeah. for all accounts, I mean, they look like they're probably the strongest team in the South. I mean, the Falcons, you know, dropped one to the Panthers yesterday, and they've been hit and miss with their offense, and they they have instability at the quarterback position. And then, of course, you've got the Saints who, you know, their defense plays well, their offense doesn't play well, then they flip and flop, and they might not have the right coach at the helm. Um, and of course, you have the gong show that is the Panthers, who don't even have their number one pick, and they're going to end up the worst team in the NFL. Um, so the Bucks foreseeably look like the best team in that division. And if they go to the playoffs, you cannot take the job away from Baker Mayfield. Then mm. he gets to the playoffs; he deserves his spot next year, at least for one more year. I think he's got to play on a year-to-year basis every single season, honestly. Yeah, I was going to agree with Nick, and also just add in there: it doesn't mean that you can't take a QB in this draft. If you want to, you know, spend a second or a third round pick on a guy, have them sit under Baker for a year, see what you have. Um, It doesn't mean that he's the the QB for the future, the long-term future for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, But he's doing what they need him to do. Right. But this is also a team. I would say that um, their defense, even still this year, I know the past defense hasn't been, what it should be um, in comparison to the last couple of years, but the run defense has still been really, really solid and stout. Um, They've run the football a lot, right? Like Baker has been asked to do important things for their team week in week out, but not at a high volume. Um, This is not a team offensively that is strategically going into games, asking him to throw the ball 40 plus times. Right. No, we were Josh. We were talking about it as we were watching like Rashad white, has had a really successful fantasy season. And part of that is just by nature of the volume. He has been incredibly um, relied upon to run the football and also as a pass catcher. But 
it just is worth noting as well. I mean, you mentioned Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. Like this team has Mike Evans, and Mike Evans is one of the best wide receivers this in team football. Team has Chris Godwin. This team has Chris Godwin, who had his best game of the Rashad season. White's been good this year, and Rashad White's been really, really good. And you've had you've had tight ends step up. Kate Otten has had a really good season. Maybe he's a um, you know kind of solidified himself as a starting tight end in the National Football League. So sure. it, it's been a real complete package, I think, for this Bucks team. But Baker certainly hasn't let them down, and he has made some big plays and big moments. And that's why they're at the top of the division. And I don't see them being overtaken by the Falcons. If you, if you want to look at those teams side by side, I'll take the Bucks because they have Baker and I trust him more than Desmond Ritter. And that's just the fact of the matter. The Falcons are, if we were, if we're just talking about the NFC South as a whole, and then we'll kind of move to the Cowboys bills game. Cause I think that was probably the most, the most enticing game of the weekend, especially with the outcome. Um, if you go across the South, Baker Mayfield played for the Panthers, right? That franchise is almost desolate. It, it's it's the most underrated gong show in all of sports. Everyone that go, has gone there and been the quarterback there in the past five years has failed. Bryce Young won the game yesterday, pouring rain. Nobody is there. The Falcons, honestly, like shout out to their family, but realistically, like they have they have Pitts, they have London, they have Bijan. They can't figure out how to use any of these guys. They have all these great offensive weapons. They spend a fourth overall pick, an eighth overall pick, another eighth overall pick, and they have no way. They have no acumen on how to, you know, deploy these players. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're getting the least out of the orange. You know, Bijan Robinson fumbled once, yeah, and then they bench him the rest of the game. He gets really no touches. I know it's our guy. I know our homeworks for him, but you put up seven points. Like, how, how do you not work that back into the game? So they're kind of lost. The Saints, they, like Nick said, I think you put it pretty well. They they never really play a complete game. They have been better, but I guess, recently. And they played a nice game against the Giants and kind of, you know, Tommy turned Tommy DeVito back into a pumpkin. But this Bucks team with Baker Mayfield, who led a Cleveland Browns team who had not been to the playoffs since Nam back to the playoffs, kind of got booed out of town for no reason. He was hurt that year. They go and make the worst trade as of right now in sports could it flip could deshaun watson come back could he be good sure as it stands right now that trade's terrible he hasn't played that's so much of their that's so much of their cap space sunk into a player who's not playing and they gave up a boatload of good draft capital how long does that that um capital go on for it's a five-year deal this is where yeah, the last year that the the picks kick in there's three like first picks back off the dome i believe it's three firsts so it's three first round picks, and I think they're this is either the third year or the second year. I think my I think it's the third year. Got it of of the deal. So you so know they don't have the first round pick this year. No, mm -hmm. they don't. They don't. The first round pick this year goes to the Houston Texans. And look, okay. the Cleveland Browns are playing well, and and the savings grace for Cleveland is they have a good coaching staff. They drafted exceptionally well, and they really hit a lot of home runs in the draft. So good on the good on their scouting department. But Baker Mayfield. If he was the quarterback, they'd have all those draft capital. They'd have more cap room to play with. And they'd probably not only be nine and five, maybe 10 and four and 11 and three with the way he's been playing. Like, yeah. they, they, you know, it, it, I don't necessarily think it was his fault. So he's on this Bucks team. Bulls hit or miss as a coach for me, but they do have good pieces on the defense. They have great receivers. Rashad White's been a good, good back, as I think we all agree and are saying. And so all of a sudden, if he gets to the playoffs, I'm with you. He he deserves another shot. I don't think they need to go and draft a quarterback or draft a quote-unquote project guy in the first three rounds. They could continue to build this team around him. Well, the other thing to take in consideration is that 
maybe it's not up to them because he's on a one-year deal and there might be other teams knocking at his door that he's the quarterback of their future. So it's going to be competitive. I think he's probably put himself right at the top of the wish list when it comes to the quarterback market. I mean, I, I can't imagine that there are that many more competitive quarterbacks in free agency next year that that are due for for contracts. I mean, we've definitely seen guys that have had worse careers and and worse showings get more sizable contracts. I mean, there's just Brock Osweiler for, for one example. Yeah, Brock Osweiler, Sam Bradford, um, Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. Who's the guy <laughs> from? Who's the guy uh, who, who Tampa gave? Is it Glennon? Glennon got a deal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, like, yeah, we've seen guys get deals across the board. I mean, I, yeah, Baker. It's a really good point. Like he could find himself on a QB needy team. But also, like, you take in consideration how brutal this year has been for injuries, yeah. and the quarterback backup position has never been more valuable. I mean, that market is just skyrocketing right now. I mean, how many teams in the NFL this year have lost their quarterback where Baker could be their starter at, by a long shot? Probably yeah, half and, in the league. And also, I think. For on sure. that conversation gives Baker and, and his representation a lot, a lot of leverage because he does, he might, he might say to his team. And I think it's a fair thing to say, I don't want to go in somewhere and start for six games and then have a rookie come in after me. Oh, yeah. I want to go and I want right. to know that I am the starting quarterback for the entire season for three years, right? For two years, whatever it is. Um, and, and I think he's played well enough and, and I think he will finish the season strong enough to demand that. And then we'll, we'll see where things end up, but he's only 28 years old, right? Yeah, a lot of times exactly you say it all the young. time. It's like your, your prime isn't even, you know, but 28 to 35 for a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, we just talked about, Geno Smith having a resurgence, right? These last couple of years and he's in his early thirties now. I mean, look at what Flacco's doing at 38 years old. I mean, I know that this is just kind of like a one, one-off thing. I don't imagine he's going to be the, the Browns future, but he's saving their season. You know I mean? Oh, at the end of the day, dude, he's, yeah. he won them the game this past weekend um i mean he's he's been great but yeah with baker having that leverage he also has the leverage to decide where he wants to go we talk about how quarterbacks go to die in certain places and he's his own he's he doesn't have to uh you know get drafted by someone he has control his own destiny so if he wants to stick with the bucks if he likes their future if he likes the contract that they offer then that could be a good home for him but there's also other teams out there that could be knocking at the door i mean I don't foresee him going to the Pats. I don't foresee him going to, you know, the Panthers, the Bears, like those bottom of the barrel teams because he wants to win. We know we we've seen him enough. We know him. He's a winner. He, yeah. he loves competition. He wants to he wants to get to the playoffs. He wants to get to the Super Bowl. He no, absolutely. He's a he's by he, you know, he's through and through a winner. He was dominant at OU. He again, he won games in Cleveland more than they ever really had won up until this year when they kind of bounced back, right? And, and he could go to Pittsburgh, but I really don't think he leaves. Like if they make the playoffs, he's staying. Like well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I would say the additional wrinkle to throw in there in his considerations of where he wants to go is that Mike Evans likely will not be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer next year, which to me changes a lot of things. That was rumored be. earlier in the season, right? And I think now it's maybe changed though. It, he's had it a could, great season though. They, they, they've 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 put it together, and we'll go to the Cowboys Bills game. But they've put it together. So I think I'm they glad you brought it. But are they a true Super Bowl contender? No. Does Mike Evans know that? Yes. And so that's, I'm just, but he's won a yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, but now so. they don't have to draft a quarterback maybe. So now they could spend and they could hopefully continue to draft well. Um, yep. Speaking of Super Bowl contenders, it 
I don't want to say the Cowboys are not a Super Bowl contender after yesterday's performance. I think, again, and I keep giving them this quote-unquote benefit of the doubt of them, sometimes games get away from you, and I think that's what happened with the weather. It's not like Josh Allen you know, went nuclear and threw, you know, threw Buffalo through the game. He didn't even throw for 100 yards. It was really a, a you know a smash mouth football game, and the Cowboys couldn't defend the run. The Bills have a very underrated offensive line, a top ten offensive line in the league, and James Cook has been absolutely on fire. So Buffalo really ran it down their throats, and they controlled the clock. Dak really couldn't throw them back into the game in that weather. Buffalo's defense stepped up, especially the pass rush, and it was a really tough, really tough day for Dallas. And it's a it's a meaningful loss. Yes, they clinch a playoff spot, but look. If you're the Cowboys and you're 7-0 at home and you go to that tough weather game, right, in, in Buffalo, you want to avoid that as much as – and you, could, you couldn't win and you couldn't really show up on offense. You want to avoid that as much as possible. Now, if the Eagles win tonight, now the Eagles are the number two seed and they take control again over the NFC East. And Toss, I believe you said it last week, they have the easiest remaining schedule. So – it doesn't necessarily bode well for Dallas, who, you know, if they're the five seed, they would have to go to the four seed, which would be Tampa Bay, which I would, I would, you know, favor Dallas, but that's not an easy place to go and play now, especially with the way that Baker and Co are, are, are playing. So it was a very meaningful loss to doubt for Dallas. I'm not upset that they lost. I'm upset with the showing they had. Had they lost by like five or six points, you know, four points, then they, all right, the Buffalo Bills are a really good team. It's a really tough place to play. You know, it's not a gimme game. Like, that's a tough game. Like, you go in there and you give it your best shot. But they got absolutely piped and not even a way that we anticipated them getting piped. Like, again, like Josh Allen really didn't do much. He, he was pretty docile on that game. So, very, very disheartening for me. Seems like every time we talk up a team the next week, they uh, they find a way to prove us wrong. So Absolutely. We were you know sitting here last week talking about the Cowboys being a top dog. I mean, I had them literally going to the Super Bowl, and then they put a performance like this. But I will say that every now and then you need a reality check. And mm -hmm. I think these games sometimes can be good. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. So I don't think there's a doubt in that. But yeah, I think sometimes you need a game like this to put you guys in check to know that, hey, you know, we're not completely, uh, you know, this this powerhouse team. We have to tune up some things here and there. So um, hopefully they bounce back from it. Mm -hmm. I still think yeah. they're a talented team. Yeah, I think there's no debate on the level of talent. I don't think it I'm, – I'm not really moved that, that much by it. I think it was more so a must win for a Buffalo team who did exactly what they needed to do, showed that they are a serious contender to win the AFC – because, you know, there's there's been a lack of dominant performances, I would say, from the AFC teams. Although, I'll give some credit to the Ravens, who played a really good Sunday night football game against the, Jacks against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, yeah, yeah. Miami played a good game against poor competition. Um, but you, I, you lost Zach Martin early in that game. He is an essential piece to mm -hmm. the offensive line. Um, they didn't have him for three quarters. And if you don't have Zach Martin, the pass rush of the opposite team is going to look better. They've already not been an incredible running team this year, the Dallas Cowboys. Paul has been solid. Dowdle's been fine. And in moments, they've had some good spurts, but it's not something that the Cowboys offense has been relying upon. So in, in a game where the elements play a, a huge, huge factor, like you needed to try and ground pound with the Buffalo Bills and kind of play a close game. Your defense didn't do what it needed to do. It hasn't done what you've needed it to do in the last three weeks. They gave up 35 plus points to the Seahawks. They had three turnovers against the Eagles. So they were very fortunate mm -hmm. that, you know, that they were able to capitalize on those. 
Um, otherwise, I think that game probably would have been closer, although that was a dominant performance at home. But looking, you know, after last week, they beat the Eagles and they've been playing such good football. And you had looked at the Buffalo Bills remaining schedule. You looked at their remaining schedule. You looked at the Eagles remaining schedule. Um, I'm not surprised whatsoever. We were going to, we were presumably going to be the wild card team unless we won multiple tough games against the Bills and the Dolphins. Um and we play the commanders the the last week of the season, but we need, we need that win badly. Um, but I just, I don't think a lot of people had the expectation that the Cowboys were going to win the NFC East because of the schedule. Um, yeah. and so with that, I think like, okay, you, you took your loss, you take it to the chin, you go back to the drawing board, you sure things up, you try and get that momentum. I think most importantly, like, like we always talk about it, it's great to have that momentum going into the playoffs. Oh yeah. Like, so 100%. you don't want to look like you looked against Buffalo for the next three weeks. And if you do, then everyone is going to be calling for an upset from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the Dallas Cowboys. I know they're playing at home, but currently if they were going into that game, like the Cowboys would be favored, no doubt. Um, and so it's just something to, something to monitor, something to look out for. But for me, the Bills, like Josh Allen, what that team can do, the fact that James Cook is the best running back that they have had in this McDermott system, the fact that he's been as effective as he has been, not only running football, but also as a pass catcher, similar to what we were talking about with Rashad White. Um, he caught a 25-yard touchdown pass in this game where he he absolutely torched the linebacker. Like mm -hmm. Linebackers just can't cover that guy. He's too good of a route runner. Um, and the fact that the defense has played well enough despite having some key losses uh, from injury to this team. I mean, they we look at how many times they've been. Yes, they're cursed, right? But this team has been there for the last three to four years, yeah. whether they were there in the, the divisional round or the AFC championship. Um, but it, it's, it's a matter of consistency for them. Right. And they probably won't have the home field advantage either. So you don't have the luxury of playing teams in Buffalo where, you know, you feel really comfortable. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to, cause I know that your team is in, is going to make the playoffs toss and ours will not. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we're probably going to be picking both of us in the top 10, hopefully both in the top five Patriots, you know, suffered another bad loss. Um, and then of course the chargers, thank God we suffered a bad loss because we got rid of our entire staff and it's going to be an awesome overhaul. Hopefully they make the, the right decision for the culture and for the team, but Josh, let's adopt some teams right now. Let's just okay. lay it out there. You know, I think this is the time of the year where we can, pick the teams that we actually want to see go all the way and that we can root for. I know we've been high in the lions all season long, so that can be a gimme already. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like you can't, you can't throw away the lions now. No, yeah, yeah. So no, no, no. Uh, we were, I was going to say the lions. So I'm glad we're, you mentioned we're already, we're already riding the lions. This is, this is a lions podcast before, you know, the season even started. Uh, who's your NFC team and who's your AFC team that you would want to root for that are on the cusp of making the playoffs or a lock to make the playoffs that I'm riding for. I love that question. I actually wanted, cause I wanted to get into these cusp teams to see who were, who was super dangerous. Um, okay. Cusp team that in the AFC, obviously it can, can even be a team that's already in. Like I just pick a yeah. team that you're rooting for in the playoffs. Well, I, I, I always have an affinity for Cleveland. Like I, I just want to see that franchise be successful, but Oh God. I, you know, in, in the AFC, I will go with the Colts or the Texans are tempting, but I might go with Cincinnati because I bet on them to win the Super Bowl. And I thought that bet was for naught, but Jake Browning is a great story. He was a great college player and he's executing his offense, you know, not to perfection, but he's, he's doing as best as he can. And he, and he's doing a really strong job. 
So I, I really like what Cincinnati's got going on. Zach Taylor's a good coach. Do I think they're going to win the whole thing? No. But I'll say this about the AFC. Yes, the Ravens are probably the best team and the strongest, most complete team. The Dolphins are very fun and explosive. And then they show without Tyreek Hill, they can get it done against a great defense. But the AFC is so deep, but none of the teams are like the Niners, where I'm like, this team is just a juggernaut through and through. So there's a lot of fun teams. There's a lot of parity. Like the, the Broncos are in 11th place, but they're seven and seven, which is nuts, right? They'd be a, they'd be like an arguable playoff team right now in the NFC picture. And in the NFC picture, you know what? Like I'll go, I'll go with the Buccaneers because um, and we always say this on our show, like the OU guys, we hate them at OU, but we love them when they get to the NFL. And I love Baker Mayfield in the NFL and I want to see him succeed. I really, I really felt he, he had the wrong, you know, the wrong, uh, the wrong end of the stick in, in Cleveland, and I think, you know, Carolina is a brutal place to play. And I, I'm not surprised he's successful here in Tampa. So I'm going to go with the Bengals, who okay. I think we also always like, and I'm going to go with the Bucks. How about you? Cool. Um, I mean, like I've I've been rooting for the Dolphins all season long, so I mean, yeah, like, like that's kind of already one, but one that you know we have talked about a lot, and I think it's a really young, exciting team, and they've been finding ways to win, and they did it this last week without their their star quarterback. I'd like the Texans. Yeah. I think it'd be really cool if they if they got to the playoffs. And look, now they're all tied for for the top of the division because Jacksonville suffered an L. They're on a three game losing streak, and Colts and, and Houston are on the way up. So. It's a three horse race. That's going to be really interesting down the stretch. But um, I really like what this team can do. I love their weapons. Love CJ Stroud. Love D'Amico Ryan's. I think that fan base is really hungry for something other than Astros with a blemish because of their World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, on the NFC side, yes, we have our Lions. But yeah, it's hard not to not to root for the Bucks at this point, right? I mean, we're talking about Baker Mayfield here, and I think that. You know he's got uh, you know some some things to play for, big contract and potentially jobs in, in other teams this year. So I think I'll ride with you on the Bucks. Uh, it's not going to make my fiance happy because they're they're tied with the Saints there. But uh, Bucks, Lions, and Texans. That that's our podcast. I and like that. How about you, Tom? Give us an AFC team. Um, yeah, I mean I, I'm with the the Jake Browning Benjis, of course. I thought it was an awesome like the 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 best version of what you like that represents for Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Jake Browning did like tenfold when he said you shouldn't have cut me when he got to the sideline after they won that game. Um they they cut him I think three times the Vikings did just on and off the you know the and one time when he was waiting in a he was waiting in a hotel room he found yeah. out his agent which is if you're, you know, if you develop a relationship with a franchise, right, and and you think that you have a home there, you think that you at least have that rapport where they they could sit you down and be like, hey, we're gonna have to go in a different direction. To find out via your agent, I hate it's it's not as bad as Blake Griffin finding out he got traded on Twitter, but it's like still not great. Yeah, I will say we're not Jake Browning fans this month, not until after the new year. Okay, yes, Washington, because Washington. Because of his, his alma mater. Yeah, of course. I um the foes. <laughs> the foes. I mean, I wanted the Broncos to win this past week, but they let me down because um, I thought that they would have been like a plucky fun team. And and now, you know, there's, they're not one of those eight and six teams and the remainder of the teams that are in the, the uh, wild card hunt in the AFC, you, you know, games are meaning more and more every single week. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Browns and the Bengals are both really, really fun. I think our, our guy, Mikey T is in trouble here. He's got to win a couple more games to, keep that that over 500 mark although i guess it's just 500 right he can end the season even 
Yeah, no, he can't. He can't. It's he, he does it. He, he has to win two two more games. There he's is no even. One. There, you're right. You're right. You're right. There's no, there's no even. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got to go two. And he's got to go two and one. Look, I'm out. Uh, the the, I mean, the Colts. No, no, no. Sorry, I was just mentioning them because of the record thing. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Nor do I want them to. Don't want to see that team in the playoffs whatsoever. Although fun that Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer gets the start next week. They've already announced that. Um, I would say that I have another team in the NFC that I'm quietly rooting for. And you mentioned Baker Mayfield and you basically said everything about this guy in his NFL career, except the fact that he was on the Los Angeles Rams last year and they quietly are sitting at 500. Unlike Bowles, who we are wishy-washy about. I am not wishy-washy about Sean McVay being a great head coach. I am not wishy-washy about what that offense can do with Cooper cup playing like he did this past Sunday. Puka Nakua, Higby playing well, Kyron Williams, Joshua. I know, um, you know, we, we you had a question for us if if Raheem Mostert and Kyron Williams are top five running backs in the NFL. It's hard not to say, at least by the way that they're playing right now. Um, the guy can catch passes. He blocks well for 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 Stafford. He Stafford runs is well, he- <laughs> and he runs really really well, and he's excellent excellent on the goal line. He's very good at finishing for them in the red zone. Um, this is a team that I I wouldn't want to play if they get in the wild card in the NFC like. That is not an easy out. And I think their defense is quite young and it doesn't have a ton of star power on it outside of, uh, you know, Aaron Donald, who three years ago, two years ago is the best NFL player uh, that was playing the sport. But they're they're sneaky. They're really sneaky. And, and I like I, I like when the Rams are good. I do. Yeah. Look, the McVay is fun. Stafford's <laughs> fun. Cooper Cup is a great player. I asked you guys, I was going to ask you guys about Williams and then Nick, I'll let you take us to basketball and Mostert because it's been the same quote unquote five guys at the top five running backs for like the last four or five years. And I think it's time we give these guys like Mostert and Williams respect. Mostert has 20 touchdowns on the season. That's ridiculous. Williams is fifth in the league in rushing and he's played 10 games, not 14. Like these guys are real superstar talents. And it's not like Mostert is just a speedster guy. You talk about Williams being excellent in the red zone. Will Mostert executes in the red zone almost every single time. He's unstoppable in the red zone. Speed, slipperiness. He just gets in there. And Williams. Yeah. And Williams is running wild. Like it's look, they're not as good as McCaffrey, but in that next tier of guys, well, they deserve I- to be mentioned with Cook and Mixon. Like I was did. about to say that they're not as good as McCaffrey. And we always have the conversation for every position group. This guy is the best X yeah. thing in the league. I, the gap has not been this far in a long time. In my opinion, McCaffrey is so, so much better than every other running back in the NFL. I know Derrick Henry had some incredible seasons, but what this guy does is unlike anything we've ever seen. And I love that his quarterback came out and said, Christian McCaffrey is my MVP because yeah, I feel like we needed to hear that. The The NFL media needed to hear that because he should be the MVP. 100%. He really should be. Yeah. I feel like McCaffrey, you're right. The gap has not been wider probably since like Adrian Peterson, honestly, when he was like undoubtedly the best running back in the NFL. I mean, different style running back, obviously, but right. uh, what he's able to do now in this, in this era, I mean, he's just, he dazzles, but, the point of Raheem Mostert, Raheem was really good until he got hurt, and then mm-hmm. took him some time to to get back to to fashion. I mean, when he was when he was on the 49ers, I mean, he was blazing speed, you know, big 80 yard runs, 60 yard runs. We were saying like, oh my god, like this guy might be like the truth, like the future of of Niners 
running back future. And he got hurt towards ACL and, you know, took him some time to bounce back and then found himself on the dolphins and look, they're utilizing him the right way. They split the backfield up with, with Achan and they've got, um, uh, Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson and, and, uh, Ahmed as well. Yeah. And of course, you know, they, they run gadget plays with, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, it helps when your, your offense is super diverse like that and has ways of scoring different ways. Um, but yeah, Raheem, I think, is a guy that was supposed to be good that we just kind of forgot about because of the injury. But, you know, it's awesome that he's having this crazy resurgence and, you know, getting all these touches and all these touchdowns. But um, let's transition to basketball here. Yeah. Uh, it's been an interesting season. You know, the in- Eden season tournament was, uh, I guess, a success in some people's eyes. And I, would say uh, so. I think we all enjoyed that. But who were the top three most disappointing teams so far in the NBA? You want to give your three toss and then I'll give my three or you want to go back and forth. Um, Let's just go back and forth. Okay. Just give me one uh, real quick. I mean, Pist- it's hard not to say for Pistons. me, the Pistons, because they're chasing a loss record here. Uh, it's probably going to happen. They got a new coach who has been to the NBA finals and Monty Williams. <clears throat> and um, I know it wasn't easy sledding for him when he was in new Orleans. He, his record then was not great. And obviously if you look at his career coaching record, the Phoenix suns winning the 67 games or was 62, sorry, 62 games two years ago helps that a lot. He's over 500 as a coach in the NBA. Um, I expected him to really instill a lot of culture and at least have this team looking competitive night in night out. And they look lost. They look so young. They don't even, I mean, I know they are talented, but they don't look talented because they're so aimless out there. Um, Cade, you know, you keep texting me and our buddy Brando uh, that we talk hoops with a lot, Josh, about how he's leading the league in turnovers. And I I like, I want to send this guy a life raft because like he's all by himself out there. He's the only guy that, that seems to not only be like wanting to win, um, but trying to kind of put the team on his shoulders and, and he's not necessarily ready for it, but he's not getting the support from his coach or from his teammates um, to make him look good. So yeah, huge disappointment in Detroit. It's like a bunch of dudes playing pickup. Honestly, we're trying to work on their game and you can't, there is talent there, but if you, there's talent on every single team in the NBA, that's the thing. You can't just be in the NBA and be like, all right, we have one or two guys. Like, look at the look at the Memphis Grizzlies. Jared Jackson Jr. is playing excellent defense and dropping 40 points every other night. Desmond Baines balling out. They have six wins. Why? Because there's teams like the Brooklyn Nets who are nine guys deep, can all defend, can all shoot. And they know how to play team basketball. And they all are veteran players that know their role. Guys in the Pistons don't know their role. They can't really shoot that well. They're not great on defense. And they have a point guard running the show who's not necessarily ready to run the show at that level and be the guy with everything on his shoulders, like you're saying. So he's leading the league and every kind of turnover, bad pass, pocket picked, all of that. If you go through it, he's leading the league in every way you could turn the ball over because he has no help. He's not ready to shoulder that load. They have no identity. They, they have no one on their team. That's like, all right, these guys, like, like you can go to the Spurs and be like, okay, they have Vic. They have, you know, other guys on the team that could at least be there. They probably need a point guard. And then they're going to be able to take that next step. They're 
in no man's land, Detroit, which is very discerning, disheartening because they've had top picks. They've had Cade, they've had Ivy, they've had Thompson. They they have Bagley and they have Wise, and both are like sitting there trying to figure out their games on the court, which you don't have time to do in a real life situation, in a real life game. It's not like it's the Wizards who are passing time. And they just have a bunch of offensive like, output guys, which are they're, 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 they have four or five wins, and they're not on my list because I expected this from them. I thought with Monty Williams and these young these young studs, this team could take a step forward and be more competitive and be like an eight or nine or ten win team as it stands right now. But they've lost twenty three games in a row, which is beyond pathetic. It's like the it's like yeah, yeah. it's abysmal. It's also it's like it's Detroit, and I want Detroit to be good not only because they were good oh, with totally. and, yeah. and Rip in the early two thousands, but also because it's the like the Browns thing, right? It's like. It's a rich, yeah, yeah. Motown hoops is a big thing, but also like I don't like seeing a team suck for like 15 years. It's like not fun, right? Like I, I, I root for that team. At <laughs> Nick. I want them to flip the script. Like I'm just looking at like a 23 game L streak, and that is absurd. terrible, absurd, dude. That that is it's nuts. So crazy. Like my number two team is the Hawks, and they play tonight. Yeah. They suit up against the Hawks tonight and they play tonight. Like they're my number, they're my number two disappointing team. I think it's a good pick. Because they play no defense. Uh their drafting has not been good. It just hasn't. Like Jalen Johnson, somewhat of a re- revelation. A Kongwu, no. They shipped off Collins. We thought that would be a fix. No. They traded a bevy of picks for Murray. That hasn't worked out with him and Trey Young. Trey Young, he's actually having a really nice season. Um, but he he's on no man's land by himself. Hunter is fine. They just have a bunch of guys who are like fine but like yeah. again it's not like it's trey young playing hero ball and other guys trying to score when they can and on top of that again no one's playing really good defense so yeah. that's not a recipe to win in the I, nba I, I had them as well because i for the same reasons like i thought that quinn snyder having because he got hired in the middle of the season last year i thought him having a full off season at least would make them look like fake like pretenders in the regular like a Quinn, season, like a Quinn Snyder pretending team. Yeah, sure. Basically. And I, you know, John Collins caught a lot of flack for being a guy that didn't make sense next to Trey young and wasn't a good player on both sides of the court. And now he's on the Utah jazz and the Hawks still aren't very good. So yeah, I think I, a massively disappointing team. Who's your third yeah. one? Golden state. Yeah. hundred percent. Tough not to pick them. <laughs> Tough not to pick them. Clay actually had a, has had a couple good games in a row. Um, Wiggins actually played well as well recently, but other than that, is not has been a shell of himself or a shell of the guy we saw, you know, be vital in a championship run. Um, Draymond Green has punched his way out of the league. He's gone for another three weeks. And his his be- I mean, his behavior is is catastrophic to this team, and it's catastrophic to his future in the league and what he w- he wants to be. Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. You cannot be Charles Barkley, and there's a difference, man. Like those guys were loud; those guys were brash. They were not playing this brand of basketball. Yeah, they, they were dirty. They weren't dirty and 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 angry. Honestly, I mean, it, it, angry. Well, I I would say it's interesting because I think both those Reckless. guys were were quite different. I think Barkley was loud. Barkley was angry, but not like this though. But Shaq was the he was the nicest, the nicest of guys. The only ever little like argument that he ever gotten was with Kobe when they were on the Lakers. That was it. Everyone else loved Shaq. He was one of the most beloved NBA players of all time. Still is. And part of that is, you know, he's talked about it in, in documentaries and stuff like that. It's because he was so big. He had to be that nice. Right. Because half the people that look at you are, are like, Whoa, this guy's scary. Cause he's so oh, yeah. big, which is, you know, unfair because of how nice he actually is. But yeah, Josh, you're, you're right. Like 
Draymond might be throwing away his his second act career here a little bit too. And and it's sad to see because I actually think what he has done with his podcast, with the volume, giving us that access is is something that's instrumental in how many other players, not just in the NBA, but are giving us that quick look access that we like hearing from. But he has tanked that. He's yeah, I think, I think he shows his true colors, honestly. When you're out there on the court, you you sometimes, you know, you have to you have to check yourself because you're in the center stage on the spotlight on you know big screen kids are watching and like you're showing your true colors you know when when everything's stripped away and that's not going to help them going forward in the media you know getting jobs outside of basketball and uh you know trying to move his podcast forward and trying to get media gigs and stuff like that tnt like those guys have to retire someday let me ask you this nick because I mean, I'm sure, look, at the end of the day, he started that podcast with the intention to grow his brand and try to become yeah. a broadcaster or or someone in the media after basketball. You're and an ambassador. Taking, of, you're an ambassador of the league. Yeah, it's taking a big hit now. No pun. So <laughs> as some like you like hoops and we're all honest about this always on our show and whatnot. You like hoops, the least of the three of us. So if you're an ambassador of the game, part of Draymond's uh, being an ambassador of the game, let's say in his post career not only is he supposed to excite and, you know, engage with the fans who are big hoop heads, but he's supposed to bring people in who are not as, you know, big of hoop heads, not watching every night. Does he make you want to watch the game? Does he make you want to listen to him? Does his actions make you want to, you know, someone you associate with as someone who doesn't no. like, yeah. He's, he's the type of player that makes me dislike the Warriors. Okay. Like, Thank and you. they're a team that's supposed to be liked, you know, by and large, right? They're, they've got a Steph great Curry, player, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Steve Kerr, like people, you know, I don't, they're a championship team. And I think a lot of people were not like rooting against like the Yankees or like the Patriots, right? They're one that people actually were like, oh, like I like Golden State. Like if they keep winning, like this is kind of cool. You know, they're a small market team that's getting it done. Steph Curry is one of the most likable players in basketball. But I think Draymond really makes them an unlikable team as long as he's on the court. 100%. I mean, yeah, you, you know, I think it's a really good point to to point out that they were a small market team. I think people now view them in this day and age as a big market team. And they weren't always like that yeah, as Oakland. They were, yeah, they were a small, that's a great point. And they, I think this, they really resuscitated this franchise and made it what it is. And Draymond's obviously a massive part of that in a future hall of famer. And I'm not going to say it's as bad as a guy like Kurt Schilling, who's crazy, but it's trending towards that way where like your actions off the court and off the field tarnish your accomplishments like because kurt schilling is a hall of famer no question every day of the week but he won't get in because he's an asshole yep and draymond green is trending in that direction so they are that draymond steph's been great i know you gave me a little bit of flack toss where i guess i shoot you shot you an off the dome top 25 list i had steph at like 11 and you were upset with that fine um but they also haven't developed their guys Moody hasn't really developed. That was a lottery pick. Kuminga has he's been Moody's been better this year. But they're not really developing what they should be. They're not. And Kuminga is a seventh overall pick, not developed. Wiseman was a second overall pick, not even on the team anymore. Like they've really missed in the draft. Like, except for this, yeah. like the kid they just took out of whatever. Yeah, P- like Pajem- Pajemski's he's the starter. The, he should be starting at the end of their games. Exactly. Yeah. Ironically, they, they they found a gem in him. Like they're good at he finding is. gems. Yeah, so those are my three. Who was your other one, Toss? Uh, I'll just, I had the Warriors too, but I'll just throw in the Cavs. And it's unfortunate because this is something that's sure. predictive a little bit. They just, um, it just got announced that Darius Garland and Evan Mobley are going to miss six to eight weeks, both of them, for yeah. injuries. So I, they're 14 to 12 right now, but I expect that to slide. And if you don't have your number two and third best player on your team, 
uh, it's going to be really, really tough sledding. And, and Mitchell's been really, really good. So, you know, maybe he can buoy them enough. Um, but I just expect that, you know, this is a team dude. that will, they, yeah, they can, they could, they probably should. I don't, if you're Donovan Mitchell, do you want to re-sign in Cleveland? Like I, I wouldn't personally. I no, I would trade him. I was thinking about it the other day. If LeBron James didn't exist, like the Cavs wouldn't have a team for no way. Like there's no way the Cleveland Cavaliers would exist, would, would still be existing as an NBA franchise if LeBron. Oh yeah. I, I love that take. They would not, they were, they're brutal. They yeah. are brutal. They would still be the worst team if LeBron never went. I know back. it's kind of like a Joachim Noah take that like, oh, Cleveland sucks. Like who wants <laughs> to go there? But like, I don't, it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What there's other good cities, other cities that if you were power ranking cities in the United States, you would put ahead of Cleveland. And that's just the fact of the matter. Not even top 60. Nick, what else uh, do you have for us? No, nothing, nothing else hoops wise. I just wanted to quickly, yeah. you know, things are, things are really starting to pick up in MLB free agency. Um, obviously with, with the Otani news last year, you know, that sparked a lot of conversations and then it got parlayed into more baseball talk when the Dodgers, um, you know, we're, we're acquiring glass now. And of course the Yamamoto stuff, him setting the meeting, wanting to set the meeting with the Yankees right on his own accord. Um, I know there's a lot of contentiousness between the Mets and the Yankees always because that's a crosstown rivalry. Um, and, and Yamamoto is obviously a, a big piece that needs to fall, but I just wanted to throw to you guys and, and ask, um, you know, top three teams that you've liked in the off season so far in MLB, uh, in the, in the MLB. Um, I mean, the glaring obvious, I mean, it's whether we like it or not, I mean, what they're doing is awesome because right. they're going to be able to build a powerhouse for very cheap money for the next 10 years. Um, the Dodgers, I mean, it's, it's such yeah. a, they're uh, it's like your 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 uh yeah McCaffrey the gap between McCaffrey and other running backs <laughs> the gap between agents and and other teams like there's no one's able to come close this year such and a good such a good comparison yeah I mean and they and they're they're not done like they're so oh, yeah they're still meeting with Yamamoto you know they're probably still gonna add <laughs> another arm you know I mean Blake Snell's still out there I mean maybe oh, they, oh, maybe yeah. they add another uh corner outfield bat I don't, I don't know like it's their their bullpen like haters been talked about so there's guys done. available. There's like a lot of guys left though. And yeah. I, they look, they got Yotani, they got glass now and they got a Rose arena. Was it? Yeah, uh, no, they got Margo. No, oh, no, no, no. Oh, in, interesting. I heard otherwise on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so they got, okay. So they have a good outfield. They have good outfield depth. Their outfield can field. They have glass now who is a proven pitcher and when he's healthy, he's excellent. Um, and then obviously the Otani thing's ridiculous. Uh, you know, I actually I, I like what the Giants did. I don't know how good Jung Hu Lee is going to be, right? We have to see how he he's a good hitter. Like I I think it's going to be he, he's got a great nickname, Grandson of the Wind. It's a lot of money. Here's the thing. Here's the one thing I will say and why I like it for the Giants franchise. They finally hit on a dude. They have been in the mix for every single big free agent over the last three years. Judge, Correa, Otani, and none of it's worked out for them. They finally at least go and get a guy, bring somebody in, get a free agent move. I think he's going to be a good table setter. He'll be a guy that gets on base, probably like a 285 hitter. I don't know how many home runs he's going to hit, probably 12, 13, but he played a really good outfield. And, you know, he's, he's going to be a really good guy. He's going to be an all-star. I don't know, but he'll be a really good baseball player, I think. He doesn't strike out a lot, which is great. So I like that. This is a kind of a lame answer, not a sexy answer. I'll throw out the Royals. 
Like they're a team I feel like are never active in free agency, but they brought in Michael Walker, who was good last year. They brought in Seth, Seth Lugo, Lugo. Who's, who's good last year. Hunter Renfro, who, you know, is solid. Padre, all Padre, Padre. Padre. Yeah, all of a sudden they go and get these guys, and they have Cole Reagan, who they got in the in, in the in the Chapman deal who from the Rangers, who was excellent yep. when he came over in Kansas City. So they have him, Walker, and Lugo. Like that's not a it's a, the the AL Central is super winnable. I have no idea what the Guardians are doing. The White Sox are also in no man's land. The Tigers brought in Jack Flaherty. God bless him for signing there. See you never again. Um, I which is unfortunate because he had talent at one point. Um, and I don't know what that franchise is doing. And the Twins, I guess, are the by default team to beat, but they're not that good either. So good on the Royals for actually going and, yeah. and being competitive. I agree. I mean, when I looked at it, I was I was thinking to myself, like, look, they're not going to be the type of team that makes huge free agent splashes for Otani or for Yamamoto or Blake Snell, but they can go out and get guys and build depth. I mean, Waka and Lugo both built up their value last year in San Diego. They're both guys I think the Padres would like to take back, but they just couldn't afford to because they're trying to cut salary and these guys got bigger contracts than you know we were willing to give out and to be expected. But good for those guys to go out and build their value up on one year deals. I mean, they had team they had. Uh, mutual options that they both that the, the teams declined on and uh hunter renfro you know is the guy who's trying to build his value back we've always been a fan of his he's got great power he's got a good glove good arm so it's cool to see them you know go out and try to be competitive because they know that this is a winnable division to build around bobby witt of course that we all love mm. um i'm gonna throw an interesting one out there i mean Please, I, I, was looking I, for I don't story. really know what they're doing to be completely honest but I think <laughs> it's fun that they're uh you know making a bunch of moves the braves um they have seemingly traded for guys and then traded them away and then traded for guys and then released them and traded for guys and then outrighted them um it's really interesting i i feel like they're just trying to move around pieces and, and assets and and see if they can continue to to build on the depth that they have maybe um in their like platoon positions and their their we love that position. but I mean, that's such on brand for the Braves. I mean, at the end of the day, they've got their superstars. I don't think they need to do much. Um, I could say maybe they can get one pitcher. I mean, I think Blake Snell would be a really good addition to their team. If they had him. I mean, that's a true, you know, serious contender. I mean, I think they're already serious, but they've always been wishing that like one true ace, in my opinion. I like Freed. I like, I like those guys. I like Anderson. I like Soroka, but Strider. They're not Strider. I think Strider's great, but I think that. Right now, he's still number two. I think he needs some more I, time. Good, good strikeout pitcher, but the ERA can go down a little bit. I actually don't disagree with you. Like, I want to disagree with you. I want to say Strider's a true ace, and he has the strikeout stuff, and he has games where he is like, hey, seven innings, thirteen Ks, and he commands the game. But he also has games where he blows up, and you know, and you, and I, I think a guy like Snell who's coming off a of Cy Young. I mean, they were missing Charlie Morton, Buck Good in the playoffs last year, desperately. So that that was that was yeah. a, you know a big pain point for them. But um, I like them going after Kelnick, you know, from fun. Seattle. They, they'll make him good. Like that's yeah. the thing. Like they'll make him good. I want. Right, I think they bring in Stasi too. Just like a, an interesting like. <laughs> see if that guy. No, the two guys from the Angels they brought in like who could end up being decent, right? Or like platoon players that they, that they yeah, slot. you're right. Never know. They, they kill the depth game. They always, they always, you know, I don't remember who I was talking about earlier in the show, but I was talking about somebody not squeezing the full juice out of an orange. It was about Bijan and the, and the Falcons. So you were just talking okay. about ironically, I, yeah. ironically, the Falcons can't squeeze an orange and get the juice out to save their lives. The Braves complete opposite, get the juice, get every inch of the juice out of their oranges. And I'll quickly throw out before we wrap. Juice. 
the Diamondbacks. I really liked them bringing back Guriel. I liked them going and getting Eduardo Rodriguez, who had he finished the entire season healthy, I think he would have gotten a deal on the nine figures. But they get him for four years, eighty million dollars, and if he's healthy, that could you know pay big dividends and, and, and be a cheaper deal in this day and age. And he slots in nicely with Gallon and Kelly. Like that's a really good one, two, three. And if you're gonna, they, I mean, they got there from the wild card. They didn't win the division last year, so they know that they're a franchise. They just if they can get in, they can make something happen. And I think they felt that they were missing some pitching to go against the Rangers last year. And Eduardo Rodriguez is a guy that's been there before. Like he's a he's yeah. a playoff he's a playoff season guy, and so I think it's it's a really good place for him, and it's a good move for that team. Shout yeah. out to a massive trade target, at least that we were talking about, that didn't end up getting moved, but Candelario got picked up by the Reds. Right, there's a yeah. nice little signing for them. I yep. was going to throw that out too. I like a lot that. of guys like saw it. there, though. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see during the holidays what guys decide to sign where. I mean, I think a lot of questions will be answered soon. I mean, I think the big domino to fall is Yamamoto, and then after that, probably Blake Snell, and then Cody Bellinger. And then after that, it's probably going to be open season. Yeah, hater, and so on and so forth. All right, gents, absolutely always a pleasure with you guys. I'll see you two later for a Horns Up Talking Texas podcast. Go check that out if you haven't. Fisher Disciples, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Crider, The Cherry Stripe, Pitch Your Free Throws because they're free. We out you. We love you. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.